Open your Bibles with me to the book of John, John chapter 2. I, I always contemplate whether the Lord wants me to draw our attention to this passage on Mother's Day because uh, it's not always the case, and I don't do this just out of rote behavior, but this was the first passage that I preached on the day that um, uh, the church voted as to whether we would be pastor or not. But over the years, I have learned that the Bible is truly alive. And what we're going to talk about today from this passage, I've never taught on before. And I do uh, um, want to echo the comments of many. Today seems to be a time where we are focusing on the timing of the Lord and um, I was blessed when I heard what Monica was teaching on this morning regarding seasons and the like, because that's basically what I feel I'm supposed to be sharing today, but from a perspective that we've not ever looked at. So let's read the first five verses of John chapter 2. The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother says unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. It's, a, it's a, oh, fascinated me that when you see what Jesus said to Mary, woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour has not yet come. Parts of that don't seem to make sense upon initial observation. First of all, it sounds like Jesus has given his mother a pretty stern rebuke. And that's really not what was happening there. In fact, he used the same type of address from the cross when he addressed her and basically committed her to the care of John. And whenever Jesus spoke in that way, he was stepping out of the role of a son who loved his mother into the role of his identity in God the Father and speaking to her as someone that is beloved, but someone who is indicative of the people on the earth. So he addresses her, and he says, Woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour has not yet come. It's very interesting that the other aspect of this that didn't make sense to me is the fact that it was very obvious in the flow pattern of what was happening with Jesus that the game was already on. I mean, think about this. Jesus had come to John the Baptist already. Jesus had come to him, was baptized, the clouds opened, the voice was heard, the dove comes down, and then as soon as Jesus was baptized, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, ekbalo, threw him. And I think one of the reasons for that really harsh terminology was, of course, that it was really time for 
Jesus' encounter with the enemy there in the temptations of Christ. But secondly, after that kind of an explosive encounter with John the Baptist, where people were hearing thunder and voice and a cloud uh, was, was uh, uh, sending forth a dove, that it would have been very easy at that point for the people to say, ah, this is the one who's been preparing the way of the Lord, and now here he is. And so 40 days and nights in the wilderness with, a, with uh, uh, fasting and the temptation of the enemy the victorious demonstrations of our Lord, and then the angels ministering to him, those things had already happened. So it was obvious, as I said, that things had, had changed from him serving as the son of Joseph on earth, who was out of the picture at this point, taking care of his siblings and his mother, and now things had changed. And so you see John in these, the first chapter, even this first verse that we read, the third day. The third day from what? The third day from what? Well, it was the third day from when Jesus emerged from the wilderness, and John sees him coming, and John has had time to contemplate in the Spirit what all that was happening in, in the, the Jordan. And, and he had time to reflect of, of what his cousin was dealing with. He had time to reflect as to what uh, that baptism meant. And so he points and he says, look, here is the one that I've been preparing for. Here is the one. And so he says it, and then the next day he says it again. And some of his disciples then decide to follow Jesus. But this third day the wedding in Cana. So this was three days, obviously, after Jesus emerged from the wilderness. And that's, very, that's a very interesting thing to understand. So what does it mean when he says, my hour has not yet come? Well, this term, hour here, horos. And, and it, it, um, it is a word that Jesus used nine times in his ministry. The first three was to say, it's not yet come, and the last six were, okay, it has now come. So what does horo mean? Well, let's talk about that for a minute, and then we'll, we'll bring this back into where we are as a saints network, and where we are as people who've been planted not only in this church, but in stations of the saints around the world. What does it mean to talk about the Horeo? What does that mean? Well, let's talk about it in, in certain very clear terms. This could mean um, basically a time when something is supposed to happen. You know, they broke up the hours of the day into 12 hours of daylight. And they said, okay, the first hour, second hour, third hour. The third hour, you should be doing this. The ninth hour, you should be doing this. And it was more about what should be transpiring at that time than the actual moment of time. Because as you well know, if you're, if you're saying um, specific time frames in a time where nobody had watches, and, you know, you know, I guess they had sundials and they had sand dials. 
for people just out in the street, it'd be very difficult to tote around a sand dial all day. So specific times, they didn't have their Rolexes, they didn't have their Seikos, they didn't have any of that. But it was things where um, it, was, it, was, it was when something was supposed to happen. And, and really, when you talk about an individual, when Jesus says, mine hour, he was talking about what he had been sent to do. The specific thing that was his identity and how that was going to take shape. So when he says this to Mary, he says what he said a couple of other times while he was working miracles, while he was calling people, while he was preaching, during those moments, he was saying, mine hour hasn't even begun yet, but I'm doing all these other things. In fact, in John chapter 7, his siblings, which didn't really seem to treat him like he was the son of God, um, they're, they're getting after him. They said, are you going to go up to the Feast of the Tabernacles? And Jesus has that exchange with them, and at that point, he's using kairos. And he says, he's, he's speaking about kairos moments. But even at that point, his hour had not yet come. And, and I think we need to recognize that for all of us, if we are to be Christ-like, and if we really are the saints that God has prophesied for the time of the end, we have an hour that I don't believe we really stepped into yet. We're preparing for it, and I think it's on the doorstep. Yes, we're dealing in the chronos of God. Yes, we're dealing in the kairos moments, and we're taking advantage of what the kainos of that kairos, the fruit of that are. We've been doing that faithfully. We have been walking in the seasons of the Lord. We've been walking in a lot of different things, but the horos of the Lord is something that's very specific and, and I believe that we share that with our Lord, that what our identity is is not just to sit around and wait for the rapture, but we have a calling from God that is unique for the end time. We have a calling from God that is clearly earmarked in the eschatological scriptures of a people and preparing a people around the world that are going to serve a unique function. And that hour has not yet come, I believe. You know, you use this term like the enemy uses this term. You've heard about the horoscope. You know, you hear about the horological readings. You know, when were you born? Well, you're going to be this. Or let me tell you what you need to be watching for today. Let's talk about it in a, in a more, in a wonderful way. You've, we love this scripture that speaks about how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful is a derivation of this, which means that when those people are coming obediently on the mountain, they are coming at that time when they are fulfilling not just a moment, but a, but a specific calling and a specific release of the timing of the Father for them. And with that, there is a fruitfulness that exceeds all other types of fruitfulness. You know, another really interesting derivation of this term was early in the book of Acts when Peter and John were going up to the temple in the hour of prayer. And there was a lame man sitting there. He had been sitting there during all the time that Jesus 
was walking into those gates. If we believe what the Scripture says, even the time when he was with the teachers of the law when he was 12, even during the time when he was healing people and driving people out of the temple, that dude was sitting right there. And he was sitting at the gate beautiful and one of the most powerful prophetic words of any in the scripture that's not often looked at is in Peter and John come, the silver and gold have I none. He's at the gate beautiful. The gate where the people said, there are times of representation that we need to be ready. And that guy stood up and walked. And it set off all kinds of a stir. But what did that represent? It represented the time of the disciples to be a apostolic. It represented a new time after Jesus had risen and had ascended into heaven. Now the church was going to be manifesting something that had never been manifested before. But it was that, it was that time. And, and I truly do believe that we as saints are, are we may be in the beginnings of it, but we're going to know when it releases. All right? we've, we've dabbled in it. We've tried to be faithful in the small things. We've, we've watched the timing and we said, okay, it's time to go. It's time to do this. And you have to learn, you have to learn that God has an overall timetable. You have to learn that God has moments that you have to say, this is a kairos, this is a rhema. We've got to go now. We've got to do it. But those things in themselves and very clearly contrasted in the words of Jesus himself were not necessarily the horos. Mine hour has not yet come. What was it? Another way he was saying it to Mary is, you know, obviously Jesus wasn't confused. Obviously he was prepared. They didn't have any wine, which has always been a conundrum for people who preach this message in a church especially if you don't believe in drinking wine. I've heard all kinds of twistings, more, more twistings than a game of Twister as to what this wine really was. And I've often said, you know, like being with Luke, I said, let's say Luke Benichon was sitting at, at this table and you gave him some Welch's grape juice. He certainly wouldn't say, this is the best Bordeaux I've ever had in my life. And these guys knew wine. But, you know, the point, though, is that he was well prepared for this miracle. And, and he, he, he did this phenomenal thing, and everybody was amazed. It's, it's, uh, I was reading uh, one commentator who said that the total amount of what, what wine could have been brought out of these firkin-filled pitchers was about 2,400 glasses of wine. That's a lot of wine, even for a Frenchman. And um, that's a lot. And it made its impact. But you know what? Jesus' hour had not yet begun. Isn't it interesting? What earmarked that moment when his hour did begin? It was when God said, okay, you've been showing things, you've been walking in faithfulness, you've been preparing, you've been setting the stage, you've been gathering disciples, you've been teaching the principles, but now it's going to shift. And the reason, the, the absolute reason that I put you on this earth, the thing that only you could do, that, 
that horeo that only you, Jesus, could do is going to begin now. And I think that what we need to be as, as even an Issachar people who, you know, remember when Jesus talked about, you know, they were saying, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus said, that's not up for me to say, you know. Only the Father knows the, um, the Kronos and the Kairos. Why didn't he talk about the Horeo? Because those, that is a personal thing. It's a personal thing for each one of us. The Kronos and Kairos, everybody's going everybody's to encounter that. Everybody's got a function in that. And even those that are just oblivious, by and by, they will function in it. You know, I was marveling when I was talking to some, some um, Pentecostal people recently, and they were talking about what was going on in their church, and I thought, you know, you guys sure took a long time getting there. <laughs> but it's, and, and that's the way it is with a lot of churches. You know, they, they kind of wait, and they, they're kind of settlers. They wait till everybody else gets there, and then they, they kind of move in because they see this is acceptable. This is what all the cool kids are doing, and we can do this and get away with it, and we can be attractive because we don't want to fall behind in that. But for those who have a calling from the Father, you're going to be pressing the envelope. And you better make sure it's his pressing, not yours. I mean, we, we can't get ahead of God. You know, it, it's interesting. that this, this statement, the Jesus' first miracle, the thing that set the stage for it was him making reference to this unique calling that the Father had given him. And I believe that we as saints have a unique calling and an identity that we've been being prepared for. Um, seems like eternity, doesn't it? Seems like forever. You know, sometimes God's been talking about us being transitioned. Could it be? that not only has the world taken major shifts recently over the past couple of years, but could it be that God's nudging us as saints closer and closer to that moment where he says, okay, you've been talking about being saints for, for over a decade now, for a long time, and you've been learning, and you've been proclaiming and teaching, and you've been around the world. But the big thing that I've really called you to personify and serve me in has not yet come yet. Could it be that we are to that point? It's very interesting that we've gained glimpses of this over the years. Uh, many, many years ago, God told us, I'm going to set your appointments. Don't you, don't you try to force anything. I will make the appointments. And that was kind of a relief to me because I don't, I don't ever want to miss something that we are supposed to be doing as a people. And those of you who know me know that I probably am too much fixated on that. But at least you know I'm trying. Um, but the point is, though, that God says I'm going to make the appointments. And that's, 
that's an assurance for me because I see the church doing so many things. And I see this, oh, this thing rises up. Oh, this is all the rage now. And this thing rises up. Oh, man, this is all the rage. And I, and I think in my head, yeah, but the things we see in the Word that are coming and what you've given us, they're not, they're not even sniffing. And how do you know that? Because I know very well the way churches function. If they were sniffing it, you, they'd be telling it. But the point, though, is, is that we are on this, this hour of the Lord time frame as saints. And, and you do know when God has made the appointment. Like, it's, it's, it's astounding to me. The favor God gives in nations. When God opens a door, and God opens a door. And you go there, and the people are ready. They are ravenous. They are desirous of what God has sent you to give them. And it's incredible to see. It's a feeling that is... It's like a drawing out of you uh, that, that meat that God has prepared for them to have. And I think that even that has been, you know, even though Jesus' hour had not yet come, he was calling disciples. In fact, Nathaniel was from this place. It's very interesting, too, that this marriage in Cana, does anybody recognize that word? Because it's from the Hebrew, and it's Cana. It's the jealousy of God. It's what God has ordained that he is going to redeem. It belongs to him. So you, you look at this. For anybody who sees Jesus' first miracle, we often think about the water into wine, you know. And that's great because there is a message there. It's a wonderful thing. But the key points to this passage are right up at the beginning. You are to serve as a representative of the jealousy of God. What belongs to him that he has said, this is mine, says me, and I will, I will have this. The second thing is, you have an identity of you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You have things you have to take care of in family, but you are not of this world. And the third thing is my hour. For us as saints, I believe that the things God has trained us in and the things we've experienced up to this point are a glimpse of what is coming. And I believe that when the hour of God for the saints fully opens and he has that in his control, we're going to see things that we've never seen before, things that we've dreamed of, visions that God gave a long time ago are going to be fulfilled. There's going to be a rapid and quick advance in the nations. And there are going to be, there's going to be a harvest that the angels will help us with that is going to be phenomenal. And God's been preparing the world for this. He's been preparing the nations for this. Even, you know, you see the climate. I talked about this last week. India is still in the throes of over 400 new cases of COVID every day. People are dying in droves. That is affecting that godless nation. And why do I call them godless? Because our last time we tried to come in, the government refused visas because they said they were going to eliminate 
Christianity within five years. I wonder how that's working out for them. The nations are being made hungry for the only message that matters. And we are going to be sent into that amazing harvest field. Mine hour has not yet come. I encourage you to study this in Jesus' life. And again, we've never really talked about this in this way before. But even though he was doing all these amazing things, there was a significant amount of time where he said, this isn't mine hour yet. But then, all of a sudden, in the Father's time, the hour came. And the fulfillment and the fulfilling of what he was really there to do from the Father in the eternal timetable was there. That is what God is preparing us for as saints. And it is, I, I don't know, who knows the time frame, but I would suspect that the fact that the Lord has focused so much on times and seasons today that we, we, better, we better get ready. We better recognize this is coming. And uh, it's an exciting thing. And then, of course, my message from <clears throat> 34 years ago was, whatever he says to you, do it. It's in, you know, less mentioned the, the woman with the handful of meal. Go and make a cake for me first. Whatever he says to you, do it. We've tried to live that way. That was Mary's take. I know enough about him through these years in my household that when he says to do something, you do it, and it's all going to work out. That was Mary's take. And uh, that really did set the stage for those folks that were going to fill those purifying bottles with water. And then when they were told to, to bring that to dip from there and take it to the master of the feast. Those were all big steps of obedience. But to me, as wonderful as that first miracle was, that was not the main miracle. The main miracle is, this is the timing of God, my Father. And I am now being presented in a way that I had not been presented. I am focusing on the, the marriage which is God and his people, which is God and his creation. That's the type of, this, of the ecclesia, Jesus said. I'm going I'm to initiate the, the, the jealousy of God for this earth and for his plan, and I'm going to do so in the backdrop of a marriage, which is really what I've come to do, to unite you with the Heavenly Father so that you on this earth would be his bride. And my hour is coming, but it's not yet. The reason I'm here has not yet been demonstrated, but it will be. And I say to all of us as saints, that as wonderful as it has been to be being prepared and to learning 
and to implementing, proskuneo, diversities of tongues, uh, interpretation, all the teachings around the world, and uh, gathering and, and seeing brothers and sisters stand alongside and do that same work and seeing disciples being raised in nations. That's a wonderful thing. But we have not yet really begun to see the identity that God has called you to fulfill and us as a saint's movement to fulfill. And that's exciting. That's exciting. But all of these things, 34 years ago, I didn't have a clue about. Other than whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> and that's a good one. But the jealousy of God, the chronos, the kairos, the saison, the, the aguelos, the, the horeo, none of those. And the reason was we weren't living in that obedient pathway at that point. We didn't have a clue about it. But in these days, I would think that this makes perfect sense to you. It would make perfect sense to you. Why? Because you've lived it. You've walked this. And it doesn't stun any of you, either in this house or watching from whatever city or nation you're in. It shouldn't stun any of you because you know in your heart, yes, this is what Jesus said undeniably. And this is what he's saying to us today. And that's exciting. So, Father, we firmly commit ourselves to your seasons, but we commit ourselves to that unwavering pursuit of what you have put us on this earth to fulfill for you. And we commit ourselves to be those people who wait on you, who don't get ahead of you, don't fall behind, Help us to be the saints you've called us to be. Help us to be the sons you've called us to be. And we thank you for this privilege. You know, I, it's just now noon, and I, you know, wanted to let you out, let you go early on this Mother's Day, and I will. But I think back over just my life and the things that my mother told me that uh, in her very simple terms happened when uh, she was bearing me and the various things that the enemy tried to do to, um, to cause there not to be um, a life in this body, and um, I, I thank God for the miracle of life, and from every intent and purpose, there really isn't any reason for me to be here, uh, naturally. But what about you? Many of you have come from many, many different angles. Things happened in your life and just between you and the Lord, when you were little, 
things that influenced you, things that came against you, there is no real natural reason for you to be serving God in the way you are right now. Your life could have gone sideways, 50 ways to nothing. But yet God has preserved you. God has saved you. And if he can work that miracle, which he has, how much can you trust him for what's coming? God has given us many promises, many glimpses of what it's going to mean to be a saint in the days to come. That's our hour. And I'm grateful to be walking that with, with you. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. His hour for us is right on the doorstep. And we are doing our very best to be ready. But let's be faithful to pray. Let's be faithful to give him thanks. Let's be faithful to trust and to expect. Because the best days are ahead. And the, the moral of this story was the best wine was saved for last. The, the best vintage, the best wine of walking as saints has yet to be poured. And um, we're going to have that privilege of seeing that together. Amen? So, Father, I thank you on this Mother's Day for life. I thank you for the privilege that you've given to all of us to be participants in this house over these many decades. And I thank you that in eternity, you have chosen this place and the other places where the saints are standing firmly to manifest your glory in the hours that are coming. And I release a spirit of encouragement and confidence uh, that, that no matter what the enemy has tried, he's not been able to keep us from being where we are right now in you. And uh, you've invested that much. He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, and we lay claim to that promise. Let the work of the saints be done for the praise and the glory of our Father. May the best wine May the best wine be yet to come. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day, or happy birthing person's day. We've got to be woke now. And God bless you all. Have a wonderful time, whatever you're going to be doing today. And we'll see you soon.